Boundless Authenticity Podcast, where we discuss everything related to the evolution of human consciousness. Thanks for tuning in to the Boundless Authenticity Podcast, where we discuss everything related to the evolution of human consciousness. Today, I have Matt on with me from the NHS 100K Podcast. And Matt is a father, a martial artist, a medic, and, you know, he's kind of like me. He'll kick your fucking ass. So how's it going, Matt? Yeah, it's good, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. So tell everybody who you are and, you know, what you do, how you got here. Uh, okay. So I'll try and go through, keep me on track, mate. All right. Cause you know, I digress um, when we last spoke. So I'm a specialist paramedic. Um, I used to work with the NHS for about 13 years. Um, I did about six or seven years working frontline on the ambulances. And then I, uh, I then packed that in and started working in, uh, GP surgeries, doing see and treat of patients and triage and telephone triage and home visits and things like that. So I did that for, for 13 years before that I was in the military before that I was in the circus, but there that's, um, other stuff. So it brings you up to speed to, to, to today. So while I was in my current role of the NHS, um, I was happily doing my job. And then obviously all the stuff came in with the, 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 the mandates in Britain. And for those of you that don't know, we had a period of time where they were forcing people to take the, the COVID vaccinations. Um, we lost, I think it was 40,000 carers. And then they were coming after the NHS workers. And there was a period of time where they'd enforced a mandate stating that if you didn't have a, you know, at least one job by a certain date, you were going to lose your job. Um, I, I didn't have them. I haven't had any still, but I still had the interviews with them threatening with me with dismissal, which is kind of what propelled me into the limelight because I basically tweeted all the emails I was getting from my employer saying what was going to happen and how angry I was. And this was a week before Christmas last year. And I just did a video um, and it kind of, kind of ballooned up from there really. And then just started reading into more stuff and falling down the rabbit holes and, and trying to have a, I think I had a unique perspective on it because obviously I was still working in, in the NHS at the time. So it was, it was, I was surrounded by more people that could kind of dispel, not the conspiracies, but, you know, just be a bit more kind of like, well, no, it's this and no, it's that. So it, it made my, me want to have a lot more of a stronger argument with certain things. So the main thing I focused on was the freedom of choice aspect of things. So I couldn't care less whether you took the jab or not. I don't think it's safe. You think it's safe. You take it. That's fine. I just didn't agree with being the whole, you know, losing the choice, the, the, the decision to decide what put you put in your body, the consent aspect, because that can lead down a slippery path to loads of other stuff. Um, and then speaking to friends who still work in a &E, and obviously being in the NHS for so long as I have I had friends everywhere, really. So it was hearing things and just, being sucked into the whole COVID thing like everybody did. Um, and then um, I wanted to kind of make a difference by doing something. And obviously I was a nobody really at the time. And then I um, I did a few podcasts with some people in the States because they're a lot more kind of like open to that sort of thing than they are in the UK. We're getting there slowly, um, but it's, you know, like, well, you know what us Brits are like, slow and steady, you know, take your time. So it's, uh, you know, it's a bit of a struggle, but, um, but yeah, so I just carried on doing the whole, you know, fighting for, for what's right type of thing. And I'm kind of here now really, because I was 
watching and listening to a lot of podcasts and I used to get really frustrated because the hosts used to talk over the guests or, you know, I just would do it differently. So I thought, well, do it myself. Um, but then I didn't have a platform. So I contacted the NH- NHS 100K crew because we'd done some work together and, you know, sharing each other's posts and just fighting the fight together. Um, and asked them if I could do a podcast on their behalf type thing and join the team. And they said, yeah. And then I think we're about, I think I'm about 20 episodes in now. I think we only started in the summer. Um, and obviously you've been one of my guests, which was great. Um, and that's it with the regards to that read, I suppose. I'm paraphrasing massively here because it's it's a long, it's been like what, two years, the whole thing, two and a half years we're coming into now, aren't we? So I'm trying to condense the story down so you don't, you know, die of boredom. <laughs> and trust me, I will not die of boredom. I mean, that all of that paints a picture of a real person because yeah. what happens with conspiracy theorists is that they get out there and they run their damn mouth and now I don't believe you because the way that you've said this thing is in such an alarmist manner. You know mm. what I mean? And yeah. when you have real people saying what's going on out there from their perspective, you tend to, you tend to listen like at the height of the whole injection fiasco. Cause I'm trying not to call it the V word anymore. Cause it's he, my chicken knows what's up. He's like, right, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll use that. We'll use it. He's word. like, that's <laughs> fake news. Don't call it that. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So, you know, when that whole thing came up, we even had a couple of nurses here, but they, they couldn't say anything for fear of losing their job. Mm. And they'd just be like, you know, don't take it. It's it's causing a lot of people to come in here with like asthma and, yeah. uh, and heart palpitations and all kinds of stuff like that. Like one woman said like 50 people came in in one day and we were like, oh my God. Okay. Yeah. So basically everything that we knew is true, you know? So when you yeah. say things like that to the average person though, they don't really want to believe it unless it's somebody that's on the front lines. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's when you try and discuss these things, I've, I've always tried to explain it to people. You're, you're questioning people's, um, ideologies, their choices, their morals. When you say to them a certain thing like that, you know, like, I don't think you should do that. So it's like saying, I don't think your favorite color should be this color. It should be this color because I say so. And here's all the stuff I think that you should read to do. And, and, and you're just trying to, it's changing someone's opinion. And, you know, it's a case of, look, we can have differences of opinion, but have the same goal. That's fine. But we're not, we're not quite there yet with everybody. And it seems to be like, here's a study that suggests the V causes this. And here's another study that says it doesn't. And then it just goes like this to and fro forever, you know? And it's just like, you're not going to change each other's minds that way. You're just going to waste your energy, argue, you know, get yourself stressed out and upset about it. So I very early, very early on realized, I mean, uh, working in, in what I did with being a paramedic and stuff, you, you know, you pick your arguments, pick your battles and stuff. And you, know, you work with people a lot. So you can read, I don't know, you just may be better at that sort of thing and realizing that beyond a Twitter feed or whatever, people will just say stuff shooting from the hip and they probably don't mean it or they're definitely not going to back it up most of the time. So I've learned very, very early on not to engage in, in the trolls and things. And I've never really had any that many, um, to be honest, but then I don't, again, like you said, I don't shout at people. And I remember in Britain when we were starting to go into the first lockdown, there was a few people that sort of started standing up and 
saying things and I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to get involved in that politics side of things. And I think their, their intentions were right, but they, they were having a really bad effect because of the way that they were going about it. And then it just creates even more division in that kind of circle, which, you know, we know is what they're intended to, to, for people to, because if you destroy the person, you destroy the argument, don't you? So it's like, you say something like, I don't agree with, with this or this technology or being, you know, having this thing put inside me. And also you're an anti-vaxxer then, or you're an anti this. And, and, and it's like, well, well no, you, and, and straight away they, that kind of in their eyes, calling you that, putting a label on you just destroys you as a person and destroys the argument, but it doesn't really do anything other than just create, you know, kind of more division. So it's, it was at the beginning, I think doc, people need to understand that doctors aren't aggressive people. So people will say, why are the doctors not speaking out? Cause they, they, and I've said this loads of times, they're geeks, they're dweebs. There's, you know, it takes five years minimum to get a degree in doctor. Then you got three years training, you know, and then you special, it's a long, it's not your average Joe kind of job. So they're going to be introverts and study buffs. And so they're not going to be the type of person you're going to see down Yates is starting fights. <laughs> so they're not going to stand up and lead a, a march defying the government, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Um, so it was trying to explain that to people and, and the nurses, unfortunately, uh, and everyone else, cause I've sick to the back teeth of shouting at people, telling them to stand up and say something, but it's so difficult getting people to, to trust everybody now. And you're right. The whole, it seems to be the frontline stories seem to resonate more with people because they want to believe the stories they're being told are true. They don't want to believe that they're lying. And they look at us, I think, as more kind of like real people rather than doctors because they're on this kind of borderline autistic plane of, of existence, aren't they, with what they're like sometimes. So they're not they're not the most approachable or most, you know, easy people to talk to. So us paramedics and, you know, frontline crew, carers and all nurses and everybody, we've always been a bit more bridging the gap, working with the people type of thing. So it's tough, man. It is tough trying to work out what to do. Yeah, I hear you on that. I mean, <laughs> in my work, I call that the, uh, the Semmelweis reflex. Well, a lot of people immediately, you know, cause they've seen it on a meme somewhere. I'm rolling my eyes. Um, the, they're like everything for everybody is cognitive dissonance these days. As soon as you say something, the other person doesn't understand you. It's mm -hmm. cognitive dissonance. But what if it was actually your ability to communicate that was causing the barrier to this person listening to what you're saying? And even when you explain things to people in a concrete manner, then you have the Semmelweis reflex, which is Dr. Semmelweis was one of the first doctors that suggested that the reason why people were dying was because you weren't washing your hands. And really? they gaslit him. The entire medical mm. industry gaslit him and tried to force him out. So we're seeing an example of that in modern times. And uh, he eventually went crazy because right around when he died from going crazy, <laughs> they, they said, oh, yeah, you know what? You were right. You know, so that's how things kind of work in most industries. It was like, oh, no, there's no evidence for that. They immediately dismiss things. And, you know, it doesn't matter how many facts there are for this thing. They just want to be right about whatever it is. And so they'll run away from any alternate opinions or facts or anything, you know? Yeah. 
it's a pandemic of people who can't admit they were wrong. Um, but, but, but the thing is, is I've said this to a few people, I don't want them to, I don't want an apology. I just want you to put your ego aside and get over it so we can concentrate on making sure this doesn't happen again and we can fix it. I don't care how many jabs you've taken, what you said to anyone else. I don't give a shit. All right. I just want you to man up, suck it up, buttercup, realize we've been duped. We all have been duped and just unite and go forward and figure it out. But it's just, oh, it's just this kind of like, what's wrong with you, man? Do you know, come on. I, I try and be patient. I really do. Cause I'm obviously you've got to have empathy. You know, you really have got to have empathy with these people. And, and again, I don't even like to say these people cause that's, that's, that's not the way it is. But um, people must be seeing what's going. I mean, we've got a 15% excess death rate in UK at the moment. So that means 15% more people are dying than they expected to at this time of year. Um, and they're just saying it's down to delayed treatment of cancers and delayed this and delayed that. And you're like, well, okay, fine. But why are things still delayed when everything's okay then? Why are hospitals still busy? My friends are telling me that they're, you know, people, patients are coming in with, with the Rona. Uh, and they haven't, and it's really, really bad. And I'm like, well, how many have they had? He says, oh, I don't know. So can you find out? I said, but we think, I think we know, don't we? Because obviously if it was the other way around and it was people who hadn't had it and were dying, they'd be slapping that all over the news, wouldn't they? Telling everybody, you know, you must do it. Yeah. But I think it's... It's difficult not to get sucked into the um, into the to the whole thing of trying to save everybody, you know. Yep, yep. It's that Stephen Cartman triangle thing—the victim, mm. the drama triangle. You're either a persecutor, a rescuer, or a victim. Mm. And it's like <laughs> you got to step back from that. I, I usually step back from any argument as soon as I realize a person isn't receptive to what I'm saying, especially if they are. Like, oh, this survey over here said this thing's right or whatever it is. You know, it's like there's questions you got to ask about that. Okay, who came up with that survey? Do you know them personally that you can find out their intentions? Who paid for the survey? Why, why is it they really wanted to know what the results of this thing were for? Are you asking yourself all those questions? And usually when you do that, people short circuit. I don't think that people understand the complexity of even everyday things that seem like simple issues, there's always more in the mortar than the pestle. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. I, I think we've gone, we've got, we've had such a culture of just kind of not questioning anything really because you've had no reason to, um, to, to now where you have to kind of question everything. Um, and, and it's, it's easy to go too far the other way, isn't it? And get that kind of like, you don't, and that's what they try and do with us as label us as people that think everything is a lie. And it's like, no, we don't think everything is a lie. We just like vanilla ice cream. <laughs> we just stop, collaborate and listen. <laughs> don't well, we? With that thing, like, if everything isn't a lie, then why are you lying? No. <laughs> you know, but you know, explain to us some of the stuff that was happening with like, you remember, you remember when you said you were tweeting your emails and things like that, you were angry yeah. about that. Like explain to people what was going on. Cause not that many people understand that there was this whole thing. Okay. So at the time I was working for an employer that I was doing home visits for doctors. So my, my job was to, the, the patient would phone the surgery and then I would go out and visit the patient on behalf of the doctors. Cause the doctors weren't doing home visits because of you know, what was going on at the time. So it was fine for us to go around and do the visits. Um, 
two patients that had symptoms and things as well and check them and go into care homes and do all that kind of stuff. But, you know, very few doctors did. So that's the first thing, you know, clearly, we, you know, we felt a bit expendable, but, you know, you, you just do what you got to do, haven't you? You got to get on with it. They needed seeing the patients were poorly. So um, it was Christmas time, I think it was last year. So what's that, 21? And um, they just mandated the jab for um, the care community, the carers that work in the care homes, the residential homes and the carers that visit, you know, people in the community. They mandated it for all of them. Um, and they, in that sector, now they're not part of the NHS. So they're a little bit of a stand. They're still part of the system, if you will, but they're not funded or man- managed by the NHS. They, a lot of them are private. Um, and then um, they lost about 40,000 staff that didn't want to take it or, you know, refused to take it. Um, and then that was in the November, I think it was. And then they, they, our health secretary, Sajid Javid at the time, um, turned around and said, you know, we were going to mandate it for all NHS staff. Um, and there, there was a fair few of the NHS that had already taken it, but uh, there weren't enough to keep Sajid happy clearly. So he said, uh, um, uh, I think it was December saying you need to have your first, you needed to be fully vac- uh, jabbed by um, April of the following year. So you needed to have had your first dose by the February. And he said that if you didn't, they were bringing in a mandate, which would have made it, made it kind of law that, um, you know, you weren't able to work in that kind of setting if you hadn't been, you know, if you weren't fully up to date with at least one, you know, with, with another one in the pipeline. So all, I was in all of my colleagues had already had theirs. There were no problems and everything else. It was just, it was just me on my own, um, up here. And it wasn't an issue because obviously we were, we were testing and, you know, lateral flowing and all that kind of stuff more for, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't even like having to do that. If you know what I mean? Cause you're kind of enabling the lie, but we had to show proof of the, the test, um, to the care homes and stuff like that to let us in. And some patients wouldn't let us in unless we had proof of a test and things as well. So we had to still wear a mask, but, um, you know, I had to do my job, you know, it was difficult. I did get suspended twice for not wearing my mask, but, but that's, that's another story later on. So I still needed to do my job at the time and it was still early doors in the whole thing. And you, you know, they kind of, you're all still trying to catch your feet in what was going on. But I very quickly realized something worked obviously, you know, anyway, so got to that point, which infuriated me because I was furious that this mandate had been brought in and I was so angry that I just started, I'd never really used Twitter before. I had only had about hundred followers, I think at the time, tried stuff on Facebook, kept getting banned and, and stuff deleted. And then all my family were wading in on me and all this, because I was going through the whole kind of awakening process at the same time. Um, I wouldn't say I was asleep, but you know, I was in the military and, and I look back on certain things from that now and realize, you know, it probably wasn't the best situation to, to be in, which we, you know, I'm happy to talk about that. But anyway, so, you know, I was, I was, I wasn't gullible to everything, you know, I'm pretty aware, but I, I was, had no idea how deep everything went. Um, but it wasn't difficult for me to believe it. It was the whole, just awakening process of like, you know, I want to tell everybody, I want to save the world. Look at all this stuff. I need to read the internet. Um, and, and it was, it was just difficult to, to do everything. So that was why working in the NHS has kind of kept me grounded as well. Cause I was surrounded by people that were in it and believing it. And, 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 you know, whether you think it's real or not, there were people I knew that had died of it. And I saw people that were poorly with it. So whatever that was, that was making them poorly, there was something making them poorly before 
the cure was rolled out, if you will. So something was making people sick. Whether you think I just want to jump in there and just sorry to cut you off. I just want to jump in there and say that there is something that was making people really ill with a type of a flu before there was even the whole coronavirus thing going around before we were full on in it. And that's what got me at the beginning of it Mm. because, um, a few months, like three or four months before the, the pandemic even happened, my mom, she's like busted open my door and she's like, I can't breathe. And, uh, like, I feel like I kind of like when you got the flu, my bones hurt and stuff like that. And we rushed her to the doctor and the doctor said, Oh, you have a coronavirus. And that was the very first time I'd ever heard of a coronavirus yeah. ever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I also want to be completely transparent and, and, you know, not to diss my mom or anything. She's one of these press enter people. TV's always on, radio's mm-hmm. always on, sometimes both at the same time, even when she's sleeping. So there's never a moment of non-programming happening. Mm. Her diet's very terrible. She drinks caffeine. She's always eating like potato chips. So everything she eats is laden with chemicals, right? So it's Mm. like, why is this seeming to be only happening in people who are exposed to the major chemical components from the, uh, you know, the Mm. cabal, if you will? Why is it? Why is that? We look at a person's diet and you see what they really eat mm-hmm. and what their mental diet is, and you realize that these are the people who are getting really ill. I've, I've, I took care of her. Nothing happened to me. I've been around mm-hmm. other people who had it. Mm-hmm. Whatever yeah. that is, nothing happened to me. You know, I, I was just wondering what is your perspective on that because that's relevant <laughs> to the discussion as well. Yeah, because- it's um, it's a difficult one because. I have, I've got, and I don't like to say I've got friends who work in, 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 in the emergency department, but I do, <laughs> I generally do. Uh, and I, I'm, I, I have a business with, with two of them together that we do, um, as a sideline thing. That's just, anyway, so I speak to them all the time, um, as they're my friends. And at the beginning, I remember speaking to my friend when, when I was trying to get information because my granddad died right at the start in the April and they put, they put it down on his death certificate, um, after telling us, is, is everything was negative and his chest XO was fine and all that. So, so that's kind of what started triggering things for me going, well, why would they do that? Um, and then I, you know, started talking to my friends a little bit more about what was going on. Um, and then he said to me, like, you know, regardless of what it was, there were people coming in with chest X-rays, the, the worst that he's ever seen, you know, in, in patients, you know, pretty much white, the, it, whatever it was, was triggering pneumonia, which we, we, you know, is, is just a type of lung infection. When people say, I've got pneumonia, it, it, everyone gets pneumonia. You know, that's the name of the infection you get in your lung tissue. Some people just have it worse than others. But this pneumonia that was being triggered was so thick, it, the mucus it was kind of generating was like glue. People couldn't get it out of their lungs and it was just sitting on their chest and they couldn't breathe. And then they were putting them, you know, on the ventilators and then blowing their lung, you know, because they didn't know this, but all they knew was patients were coming in with really bad chest X-rays, not able to breathe. So regardless of what was causing it, and this is what my mate was saying, when you're in that moment, and I can relate to this being a paramedic, you don't care what, what caused what happened. You're, you've just got to deal with what happened. And that's what he was saying at the time. He said it felt dirty. 
it genuinely felt dirty. You know, PPE was horrendous. They were struggling to keep patients isolated because normally they'd have them on the corridor if there was overflow or in bays. But because everyone, it was so, you know, infectious to what they were saying, you had to try and keep everybody in separate rooms. You can't do that in an any department. So they were having to keep people on ambulances, which then was tying up the ambulances to go then back out. So, so the whole thing was exacerbated by the fact of trying to manage the patients that were in the A&E department. You couldn't manage them like normal patients coming in. You know, if imagine everybody came in with, with, I don't know, like, you know, the plague, right. You'd want, you'd want that person in the basement, if not burnt on fire, right? I'm joking, but you know, you'd want them away from everybody. But if everybody started coming in with it, you'd run out of places to keep these people. And then as a result of that, they then infect everybody else. And then it's just like the movie outbreak. That's, that's how quickly these things happen. So, I don't, I don't like it when people say there wasn't, um, you know, the, the Rona thing, you know, because I'm like, you don't know what it was, but something was making patients poorly. Now, yes, I know there is yearly death counts for, for normal coronaviruses and everything else. I get that. But I don't ever remember in all my 13 years of doing what I do, going around and people saying, oh, someone died of the flu. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> really? And I know up to 25,000 between, you know, sort of 20 and 50,000 a year in England can die of flu, depending on, you know, we've had more deaths from the flu in our history. I think the earliest is back in 28, 2008, where pe- the same amount of people have died from previous Corona as, as this one, um, just without the media attention. So again, I get that as well, but you know, my friends were seeing really poorly patients before the treatment rolled out. Uh, and yet most of them, like you say, were obese and, and overweight and had comorbidity. So whatever this was, was triggering these things that people had to be exacerbated, to be made worse, if you will. So if someone had heart failure, getting, getting the Rona would make it worse. If someone had asthma, again, make it worse, you know? So that's why it was hitting those people that had these issues already because without getting too technical, it just created too much imbalance in the body if a patient's got an asthma or heart failure, they've already got an imbalance and then Corona would just come along and create even more of an imbalance. And then would just make the patient really poorly and something to do recently, a study's just come out. Apparently fat cells helped replicate the, um, the protein. So that's why people who were, were larger were got more poorly because apparently this, this, the, the, the protein thing that it tells it to make, tell you to make, it loves fat cells. So if the more fat you've got, that's why a lot more people who are obese were, were getting hit so hard. But anyway, so I don't know what it is. Everyone, people say it's, you know, 5G, it's radiation poisoning, it's this, it's that, you know, I just don't know. But I do know that it seemed like something was out there making people poorly. But in the hospitals, it didn't seem to be so bad. I, it took me, okay. I didn't start going out and seeing poorly people until they started rolling out the cure. The first year when allegedly everybody was, was dying from it. I didn't go to one patient that had it. Um, and I was doing home visits at the time. Um, the only patient I went to was one that had been recently discharged after being intubated and on a ventilator for two weeks. (laughs) Tell you a story cook in the hospital survived the whole thing with never getting it right in the cooking when had the the the, the cure three days later he's on a ventilator in the hospital 
didn't put the two together, just thought he'd got it and was unlucky. But anyway, I'd gone around there cause he's, he's, he was just back out of hospital and he still had heart problems and just looking at, uh, you know, checking him out. He was the first person I saw that, that had had any issues with it. You'd heard everything on the news and all that, but I thought I'd be going to a lot more, but we didn't. And then it was only when they started rolling out the cure in that January that all of a sudden, you know, everyone started becoming sicker. But then that was the second wave kind of in their opinion. But then I started seeing sort of between 12 weeks after the rollouts, you'd see a spike in things, mainly chest and respiratory problems in the summer. I remember in the summer seeing so many people with bad chests, which doesn't happen in England, you know, they normally have a bit of respite. Um, but people have, I was having to admit people who, you know, who had really bad problems with their chest. Um, and we had a really hot summer, you know, we had quite a mild summer. So that, that, I remember that being weird. Uh, and then I remember th- figuring, you know, you do some more while I'm, while I'm doing all this, I'm listening to podcasts and reading studies and, you know, formulating opinions and all that kind of stuff. And it was interesting that a lot of the time, the correlations between the rollout of the cure, you see a spike in, in stuff anyway, you know, deaths or, you know, just people being admitted and things. So something's happened. I don't know whether, like you said, all the bad food we've been given and now they've just done something to trigger stuff. I don't know, but it's, um, yeah, that's what I wanted you to communicate, you know, that something is going on because there's a lot of people out there who lack compassion and just yeah. basic empathy and understanding that are yelling from the rooftops that it's this thing, it's that thing. But there are people that are getting sick and it seems to be happening in a concentrated way. Mm. But at the same time, we also have to remember that you have uh, all the other vaccinations that people have taken from birth that could be contributing to the degradation of a person's system Mm. that would that, you know, they don't really kick in and, and they give you autoimmune disorders, for example, later on in life that, you, you you know, it's, it's such a length of time has passed between when you're a kid and get these injections and then, you know, 30, 40 years old, you, you are a relatively young person and your body starts attacking itself and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't really make a correlation, you know, even if you're a doctor, you're in that perspective you don't you won't make a correlation right and then you have the things that there's studies that say that eight cups of coffee a day is good for you and all this other garbage and caffeine's one of the biggest lobbied things out there so and it's also hidden in a lot of foods and stuff especially like in america and anywhere that imports goods from america you're getting ingredients that aren't required, aren't regulated like caffeine that are in things, you know, like, and, and glyphosate is in so many things and it's not regulated. It doesn't have to be on the label. And you have like people in the UK culture, it's normal to go down and to the pub and with your friends and get pissed mm-hmm. for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Right. See, mm-hmm. alcohol is damaging you on a cellular level. Yeah. And yeah. for a lot of people who are taking, even if you don't take anything else except for like allergy medication, or supplements, vitamin C or something, you're probably taking the wrong vitamin C, you know, you're probably taking ascorbic acid or something like that instead of like buffered vitamin C. Mm. And then you're taking in a lot of sugar. The majority of wheat is genetically modified. You have the cow's milk, which is pasteurized, which is really bad for you. It's full of hormones and things like that and other chemicals. You got the fluoride in the water. 
you got, I think Mike Adams, the health ranger has taken, uh, test samples of water from different places and is found up to 500 plus chemicals, which are actually getting into the, the water from people just flushing stuff down a toilet or like whatever goes into the aquifers and things like that. You have cigarettes that people smoke. You have all of the processed junk foods and all of the, you know, you look at a bag of potato chips and it really only needs to be two ingredients, potato and chip, but there's like 12 other fucking things in there that are like 23 letters long, you know? And it's like, what does any of that even do? And then you have this bioaccumulation of toxins in the body. So if even if a person is healthy, they're at risk for having a breakdown, you know, the, the immune system wears down and stuff like that. And then EMF is in everything, you know, it's in all these devices that we're on right now. And then you have chemtrails and they've really ramped up the chemtrails. If you go and check like Ken Rolla's, uh work on, chemtrails and stuff like that or Dane Wigington or someone like that you see that they've taken test samples of the ocean and lakes and stuff after a chemtrail rain and they found all of these different things in it mm. and that's going into the aquifers as well so it's going into the public water system everywhere and so when people say oh there's no virus well we can't argue that there is or there isn't because clearly there's something that's foreign to the body that is getting on us somehow. I just know in my experience, I'm not working with people like you are mm. and I'm not in the trenches with these people. So I've been walking around without a mask and all this kinds of stuff, hobnobbing with people who have had it. And we just still don't know what it is. And that's the craziest part about it. So when people say all of this stuff, it's like, you got to be careful how you're saying that stuff because you're undermining other people's experiences of illness and yeah. it's for that person on an individual level to go and backtrack and see, well, what am I really putting in my body to begin with? Are there foreign agents I could be ingesting that could be exposing me to something or am I actually getting exposed to a virus? And when you tell me that story with the mucus and stuff, it's like, well, what the hell else really would cause mucus that thick and gluey and stuff like that, you know? Well, I mean, right. Okay. Just give you a brief so without getting too technical, the the stuff that I read right at the beginning about the whole, what you people would have heard with the, with the cytokine storm and the antibody dependent enhancement and all that kind of stuff to break that down, <clears throat> you're basically programming ourselves to produce something it wouldn't normally make, which is the spike protein. Um, and the idea is that we produce the spike proteins. Never, you, we have white blood cells called an immune system that would get rid of a foreign invasion, you know? So why we have to, why they think that new technology would work better than our actual immune system is weird, but how do we turn it off? So when you've sent a message into your cell, it then, you know, transmits it to the next cell, next to it, next cell, next to it, you know, that's how it, how it does it. How do you stop that from doing it? You know, we don't know. And the more stuff that's coming out now is suggest they found the spike protein in all the organs, you know, it's supposed to only just sit in your arm, in your arm where you have the jab. Um, and they find it in all the organs. Now, what was interesting about it, it's got this little spade on it, which helps it attach to other things. And it's got a larger than normal one. And it really likes to attach to the lung tissue. Um, and it sort of circulates around the lung tissue and that's, that's kind of where it, 
it likes to go. And that's that generally tends to be where it um, attacks people the, the most. But it was interesting how people who were getting all the symptoms, it weren't always that that they died of. It was other bits and pieces they couldn't control, like the heart failure. They couldn't get that under control. They couldn't get the diabetes stabilized. Uh, you know, they couldn't stop the patient from, you know, so it wasn't always, and that's, that's where it gets confusing because not everybody, um, died of, you know, from COVID they died, died like with, you know, positive tests or whatever. So, but anyway, it's, there was a lot of kind of biology stuff going on that people weren't sure about if that makes sense. Cause they weren't, cause it was so new. Um, you know, and there wasn't very much information going on. It was kind of like damage limitation. That's like the whole remdesivir argument as well. Um, and it's, you know, people saying it's killing patients. And I said this to my mate, cause they've been, we've started to use it in Britain now, apparently, um, a few months. And I remember saying to my friend, you know, it's supposed to really knack your kidneys, um, put you into renal failure. He says, yeah, I know, but if it makes you breathe, I'll worry about your kidneys after I get you breathing. Because if you can't breathe, it doesn't matter what I do to your kidneys. Cause you're going to be dead. And, and, and it's, you know, he says it in such a matter of fact way, but, but that's how you have to look at it. Cause if you can't fix their breathing, you don't care about their kidneys because they're not going to be alive to worry about the kidneys anyway. So, and so you, when you're in that kind of battlefield scenario, you got to do what you can to save patients, if you know what I mean. So it's really difficult because some people are damned if they do and damned if they don't. But what was interesting was, was the suppression of, of other alternatives and healthy lifestyle. And I don't want to get into, into the debate about that because there's, Studies suggesting that it's that it's done well, but anyway, what we could have done was just take. Another <laughs> I laugh at that one. <laughs> you know, oh, mate. Uh, the jury's out about so the 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 testing for for the power the you know, antiparasitic medication. Would you? We just don't. Even if it had a slight chance of working, just do it. It literally cost you five p a tablet. Yeah. So if it had a slight chance of working, do it right. If you get the dose right you won't cause any toxicity problems or anything else. Cause you take it, like say they take it prophylactically for like malaria and stuff. That's why it doses in the cases in countries where there's lots of malaria. They had hardly any Rona because they were taking that, um, you know, hydroxychloroquine as well. Um, so it's, sorry, I'm getting confused. Hydroxychloroquine is what they were taking to help them with malaria and the other stuff for the antiparasitic stuff was, was the, the, the one that was supposed to, you know, really help when you took that together. Um, I just don't get why I remember seeing Dr. Pierre Corey and a few others right at the start talking about the, you know, the medication that we were just talking about, um, saying that, you know, they don't understand why they're not using it. And that, that for me was a problem when you got doctors actually getting on telly, you know, or, or social media saying we need to do this. And then the onslaught they received afterwards, I'd never seen anything like that in medicine before. So it was just weird how the shift in people just, we weren't behaving like medics. It was like, Oh, it's this. No, it's definitely not this. Well, what is it then? Well, I don't know. Well, how do you know? It's definitely not that then if you don't know what it is, you know? And it was like, well, I just not, you know, well, it's just is. And it was like, well, hang on a minute. That that's, that that's not an endorsement, mate. <laughs> you know, normally we go off a bit more evidence than that. So it's just kind of weird how the whole thing just got turned on its head and everyone was just like, this is the only way out of it. And I remember in Britain, Matt Hancock saying, you know, this is what, this is what you're going to have to take to get back to, to normal. And literally about two days before they rolled it out, they said something like, well, they're not sure if it reduces transmission. 
something like really sketchy that kind of deflated the whole thing that then meant people still had to test, still had to take boosters and do all the other bits and pieces. And, and that for me then was the final point when I was just like, nah, man, this is, this is you guys, we're all being, you know, we've been had here. And I was, I had been, I'd only got it once and that was last year. So for the worst part of it, I was bouncing around. I don't wear, I didn't wear a mask when I was out of work. Never did I wear a mask when I was out of work. It was always when I was in work. Um, Cause I was, I didn't want, it was more of a fear thing for me. I was like, I don't want to show people I'm afraid. I don't care. You know what I mean? It's, you know, can let people with hepatitis and all that, you know, it's, you got to do what you got to do. But I'm not going to put a mask on my face, um, you know, and, 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 and just the whole kind of shenanigans that, that came from that. But there's just, and there's been no debate either, you know, there just seems to be, you know, this is the narrative. We're not even going to consider it, even if there is a slight possibility that this causing deaths, Oh man, I'm darting about all over the place here, but I'm sorry. But yeah, it's it was just interesting to see people change. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get yeah. what you're saying. I think it was the change in people that really shocked me because I think I gave people too much too much benefit of the doubt. Maybe I'm too nice, you know, because I just like to think that people ain't twats. <laughs> but that's the thing, know. ain't it? Because <laughs> you see so many people like you're working in your field, I work in where I do, and I see so many people that it's like, man, I wasn't aware that there was this layer to how, just to be frank, how stupid people can be sometimes or how, you know, yeah. they, how rigid they are in their thinking sometimes yeah. or how they don't actually see that the things that are happening in their lives, whether it's a health crisis or a mental crisis, it's their doing, you know, like they, they are aware every, everything is happening in their life. Like they're right there with it. Like you, you're not, <laughs> you're yeah. not opposite to the cause you, it's your body. You got to take responsibility at some point. And that's why like I started to get annoyed because they flagged me on Instagram for telling people how to be able to determine whether your bananas have been chemically ripened or whether they're just normal. It's like, it's, it's fucking bananas. Like <laughs> why wouldn't you want people yeah. to know how to eat good produce unless you're up to no good. And who does that? Narcissists do that. Like they want mm. to control yeah. everything you do. Right. Yeah. And so we haven't been having, the most intelligent discussions on things. And it seems like anywhere there's a mention of natural solutions to anything or keeping your diet clean. Now you're public enemy number one. And this thing over here is the only thing that can save you. And it's yeah. still going on like that, even though they're, you know, where do you stand on the pandemic amnesty thing? I just haven't been paying attention to it because I just, don't, smells, <laughs> yeah, I just don't think it's, it's anything I need to mentally contribute to. It's like, it's a really weak ass apology. And it's in my opinion, it's, I'd rather they just prefer to deny it still because it's, it's one of those things. It's like having a mate that goes out and every time he has too much to drink, he gets a little bit too hammered, gets in a fight, you have to bail him out, you know, and then next day you're really angry with him. He says, sorry. Um, and, and you kind of make up, but you know, he's going to do it again at some point, you know what I mean? And that's, it's just like an abusive relationship like that. So it's, I don't want people, people need some suck. I'm sorry. Right. What this did is highlight who your friends are, what people's priorities are and how people behave when they're in a position of fear. So what that should tell people is they need to protect themselves, protect the ones they care about and be ready to fuck some people up, man. You know, when the time comes, because 
they won't think twice about doing the same thing to you clearly. Um, so it was, I'm all for forgiveness. You know what I mean? I'm not saying we need to go out and hate people because obviously I don't want to create more division and have two different camps. But if they're, if they're saying that there should be an amnesty, then they're, they're also kind of really slyly saying that, that their behavior was wrong. What aspect of their behavior was wrong has, has made them realize it was wrong. Is it now because we're having more evidence to come out that the treatment wasn't actually as good as it could have been? So in which case, you know, is that what's caused, you know, there's a whole bigger picture to hit to talk about than, than this just amnesty. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm being a twat. So I don't care. We need to figure out, you know, what it was that caused you to be a twat in the first place to make sure it doesn't happen again. Because if they were to roll it out tomorrow, a sixth one and create those restrictions and everything again, you'd be, would you be straight away lining up like last time? Or, you know, the people that said, I've had to, I'm having no more, you know, and you're like, but, but, Will you though, when you get put in that camp of the un, unjabbed, you know, and the unclean, will you still hold steady? Um, because, you know, I've worn it like a badge of honor, if I'm honest with you, mate. It's like, damn right, no mask, no jabs, fit as a butcher's dog. You know, I had COVID and I was all right. The wife had it as well. We had it last Christmas. We were ill for the 10 days, <clears throat> but it was like flu, you know? I wasn't dead or dying. And I know it's different for everybody and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm just saying, but I'm 42. So I was in the age bracket of, you know, nearly, nearly in the age bracket of, you know, you should do this and, and thing. And it was just like, no, hell no. It's just like, I'm, I'm poorly, man. I'll be fine. Bit of zinc and it was gone. But you know, I don't downplay it. I'm not downplay it. Cause I know people, you know, had it really bad, but that's what I'm saying. It was like, you're scared because you're unhealthy. So therefore you want me to do the most that I can do to make you feel safe through your own unhealthiness, if that makes sense. <laughs> so it's like, right, I get in a car, put my seatbelt on. Couldn't give a shit whether you're wearing your seatbelt because if I smash into you, I'm wearing mine. So I'm fine. If you fly through your windscreen, I'll be like, ha, 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 I had my seatbelt on. You don't sit in the car and then demand everyone else. Or how would you do that? You know, everyone else must be wearing a seatbelt before I leave my house. You know, it, it doesn't work like that, you know, and that's, it just gave everybody who was really unhealthy a way of projecting their fear on everybody else. It's like, you need to wear your mask. It's like, you need to lose 15 stone, mate, and put the coffee down and go for a jog. Don't care about, you know, and, but, you know, but, but, and, but we couldn't say that because it was like, oh, you're, you're going to, you're spreading it. You're going to kill Nana. As it turns out, they didn't even test it to see if it did reduce transmission, you know, so transmission. So they lied to everybody. Um, uh yeah, you know, and that was a big thing that got <laughs> dropped. I think it was two weeks, two maybe three weeks ago now, wasn't it? Then European Parliament under oath, Pfizer representative did Pfizer test for transmission. No, Pfizer didn't test to see if it reduced transmission because we were moving at the speed of science. So all those comments of take it to protect your loved ones were lies. Now, who was lying? Did Pfizer know and didn't tell the governments? Did the governments know or didn't know? Did the governments generally think? Pfizer had done all that and they were like blindly putting their face, you know, listening to the experts like they kept saying. Uh, in which case, you know, who do we get angry at? Pfizer because they knew and didn't tell the governments and just sat there and watched every government around the world tell people to take it knowing it didn't reduce the transmission. You know, it's just like this whole pit of like, I'd be pissed if I took the jab, man. I'd be so pissed. <laughs> mm, especially now when we, and I don't, I don't want to scare people but we have no idea what it's going to do to people, you know, and clearly it's not doing great things to certain people with all the, you know, young deaths we've been having as well. And I don't care what people say. It's not normal for, for as many people in sports and shit to be dropping dead and stuff, man. It's not normal. 
Fuck no, off. it's not. We have <laughs> FIFA coming up next. So, you know, everybody's going to be watching their TV screens and people are potentially going to be dropping like flies and, you know, they're going to try to explain that away again, but that's never happened before. Watch all the FIFAs that came before the jab. You know, we've got, we, I've got a company that um, we provide event medicine for festivals, sporting events and things. So we go in and do like a pop-up A&E department, if you know what I mean, that's kind of what we do. And, um, we were doing, um, oh, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, God, I hate when that happens. Duh, 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 duh. What was I going to say? Oh, rubbish. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> thought just completely gone out of my head. I had a, had a point then I was going to say, what did you say just before? No, um, I would say go and watch all the FIFAs that came before. Thank you. Right, there we go. There we go. Right, so we've got an event company. So we talked to other event companies and one of them we know, they provide the cover for the football in England because by law you have to have a paramedic and a crew there in case anyone has any problems um, with, a, with a heart attack or you know just needs any treatment in the crowd and on the pitch. Now, it used to be considered an easy day because you'd go there, watch a bit of football and then go back. There was never any problems. Now, at least, well, at the height of it, every game, there was at least one player or at least, you know, a couple in the crowd. Uh, and and you would you would never usually have a cardiac arrest, which is where heart stops and you have to do bits and pieces. But it's, you know, every shift they're saying now they mentally prepare for there to be one because there's been an increase. So something's happening. You know, and you can't put that all down to delayed treatment because these people are just walking down fit and well, boom, dropping dead. No history of any art problems. So you can't just say that's delayed treatment because the fuckers didn't know there was anything wrong with them. So (laughs) I want to add to that. I mean, it's, it's a serious thing though. I mean, you have people that are here that are going shopping. They go get their groceries. They're out there loading groceries into the back of their trunk. Boom, drop dead. Yeah death by loading groceries. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. And the only thing that they've had in common with anything is that they've had one or more injections. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. And I mean, I, and I had a family friend for 40 years. She just beat cancer. This was last year, September doing fine. She was on a completely, how she beat cancer was she just went on a completely natural diet, you know, only fruit and vegetables and stuff like that. No meat, no milk, nothing. And completely, you know, she changed her lifestyle started exercising, started being a little bit more mindful about things. And then she went and she took the medicine and her, her thymus gland swelled up to the size of an apple, exploded boom dead that's just not a normal thing that happens that's an anomaly you know like your thymus gland doesn't go all right bitch i'm out and explode it doesn't do that you know yeah it doesn't so uh and that was one dose you know <laughs> so it's it's insane I, I, up until this point i mean i'm 35 i'm still a baby Really, you know, I've only been an adult for like nine years because I don't think you're really a man. Is it? Uh, I don't think humans really mature biologically or mentally until they're like 26, anyways, yeah. according to the latest thing, right? right. So, man, anyway, so I'm, just, I'm, I'm basically like nine years old, right? Yeah, so you know, I, I work out twice a day, six days a week for an hour, you know, once during the day and then again at night. I don't eat any meat. I don't consume any dairy. 
or anything like that. I don't consume anything that creates mucus in the body. As far as I know, you know, I have a, a certification in nutrition and, and health and stuff that I use in tandem with my business. And that's why I talk about things like caffeine and the whole list of things that I gave you before that mm. are fucking people up. So I'm very aware of those things and I'm aware that the body is hardwired to heal itself. And I've been running around shaking people like, please breathe on me. You're sick. Breathe on me. Prove to me that this thing is real. And nothing's happening. It's like, who do I got to pay to get to find <laughs> what's it's going on with yeah. this thing? You know, it's a, it's, so, just, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's very, it's very confusing. It's interesting um, to say the least, the number of scenarios that are happening out there. So one thing I would like to come out of this discussion for anybody listening is to try to be more understanding and be inquisitive. Like don't pick a side, mm. don't choose the no virus argument or don't choose any other thing. Stay open and truly try to figure it out because what we're going after here is common unity, community. It's not about being right or wrong. If everybody dies and it's because there's something or several things, well, we all kind of have to have our wits about ourselves so that we can kind of stop these fuckers because clearly they've, you know, the pandemic amnesty thing is them saying we can do anything we want to you and just apologize or shrug our shoulders. You know, mm. I haven't been to a doctor in 16 years as of July of this year for anything because I stopped really trusting the allopathic narrative a long time ago. And the reason for that was I had like an ear infection or something. And he was like, Oh, well you need to take antibiotics and all kinds of things like that. And I was like, listen, man, I think you probably just need to syringe my ears. Let me go home and lay down for three days. Mm -hmm. And he insisted on taking it. So I took the stuff and it made me feel so ill. Like I wanted to barf all over the bed. I thought like I had the, the worst seasickness. The bed was moving. I was like, Oh, what the fuck is this? So I didn't take it the day after that. I just stopped completely. I know you're not really supposed to do that, but I was like, fuck this, not another one. And I just cleansed my system, got a whole, like one of them baby ear syringe things myself, did clean my ears, like fucking rocks fell out of my ears. Cause I was wearing headphones all the time and I was always on stage back in those days. So I had loud music blasting at me all, all the time and I got over it. I haven't had an ear in ear incident or ear infection or anything since. And I just, that, that was kind of like my medical awakening there where I realized something's going on with these medications. They don't do the things that they say they're supposed to, cause you don't, have to feel worse before things get better. Like whoever came up with that, it's crazy. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, you have to take one medication to protect your stomach from taking another medication and you need to, you know, and all, and, 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 you know, now that, that medication that you take to protect your stomach, apparently if you take it for too long, it can make your bones brittle. New evidence comes out and, and all this other stuff. So it's just, and, and people don't realize a lot of the time that a lot of the medications are, are synthesized versions of the natural remedy anyway, you know, but they've just put it in tablet form because you can't patent nature. That's why you don't see very many books in libraries where it's like, you know, herbal gardens and things. Um, but going back to what you were talking about with other people and things, you know, not having an argument and, you know, I think that's a good idea. I think if you sit, if you want to have a discussion with someone, try and think about what it is you have in common first and then think about what you don't have in common. And I bet you've got more in common with them than you don't have in common with them. You know, I'm sure everybody wants 
you know, peace, love, unity, save the planet, you know, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter what you believe. It's just kind of what you, what you, what you, you're prepared to do about it or what you're prepared to fight for. So there'll only be two or three things that people don't agree on. So it's like, well, look, we don't agree on these two other things, two things, but we agree on like all these other 20 things. So we're pretty much mates. We just don't talk about those things we don't agree on. And there's loads of people that do that. <clears throat> there's families that do that, you know, that, oh, we don't talk politics in the house, you know, and things like that. So, you know, we just need to be better at accepting people's for, for, for who they are and not what their views are and their opinions, you know, but, and those people need to be better and not shouting those opinions and views in other people's faces as well. So there's a lot of growing we've got to do as a species. Yeah. I, (laughs) I get up and walk away from people who just keep going at things over and over all the time. It's like, yeah, yeah. You got a lot of maturing to do. I'll I'll come back when you're ready. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and, yeah. And and it's, it's sad to say, cause you know, I used to, I don't like to say like one of them, but you know, it's what it's once you see it, you can't unsee it. Can you? And then it's, it just depends how you, how you want to do it. And I think, the only thing I can say that was positive about my university experience was obviously when you read stuff is just remaining objective when you're reading it and not being like, Oh, this is true. And I say this to everybody, read stuff, keep it in your head. Don't shout about it. All right. Just keep it in your head. If you hear it somewhere else saying, Oh, where did you get that from? You know, and, and, and these things circulate, don't just shout out 5g, you know, without there being, you know, enough proof to, cause then you just, you might be right. I'm not saying you're not right, but it, it, it's the fastest way to get people to come for you, you know, by shouting these, these claims without anything really substantive to pick your battles, man. If, if social media is a battleground, you need to be on the battleground. You can't be getting banned for sharing shit because you can't fight. So then that's what I thought at the beginning. It's like, you know, Twitter is my battleground, you know, social media is my battleground. I don't want to get banned if I can help it. I'm not going to, you know, lick their ass and things. I've had suspensions and stuff, but on the same side, I'm not going to go out and be like a suicide kamikaze bother and start talking about, you know, child sex trafficking and all that. And then, oh yeah, I got banned. Well, yeah, of course he did. You know, because whether you're right or wrong, it's, you know, you're going straight for the, <clears throat> straight for the jugular there. There's levels of this stuff people have got to kind of ease in gently. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, it's it's interesting because there's a threshold there that nobody can agree on. Like I've been banned for saying yellow number five is bad for you. And, you know, <laughs> things like that. It's like, well, but wait a minute. You know, my doctor told me that when I was six, Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, what, what's that about? So the social media thing, I, I, I mean, there has to be some other solutions to spreading the word and getting people to, use their noggin a little bit and think about what's going on here. Cause all right, I mean, my next question for you, mm. my final question is as a person in your position with everything that you see on a daily basis, what are the most common solutions that people can come up with to any of this? Cause it, it's about survival at this point in time, but it's survival without going into survival mode. It's about yeah. critical, clear thinking. What are the solutions? learn stuff, man. And I said this to everybody, knowledge is power. So, and it's not just like reading books. It's speaking to speak to people that have different views than you do and not with the intention of arguing with them, but just to understand how they think, you know, because people have got different upbringings, different morals, different stories. So whatever they've experienced has made them who they are. So who are you to come along and say, well, I don't agree with that, you know? So you just got to try and be a little bit, have more empathy with people and just don't pity them, but just think, 
just try and accept the fact that people are allowed to make choices that you don't agree with. Simple as that. And just get over it, you know, and, and you don't need to, well, you're wrong. In your eyes, they are. But if you walked in their shoes and everything else, then you could be wrong. You know, it's just, so, so just stop. Who the fuck cares? You know what I mean? As, you know, it's, it's just let them be them and you be you. Just, hey guy, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good, mate. That's it. But you know, it's why do you care so much about what people think in regards to that? Unless it's directed at you, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you like what this, whatever. I don't care. Don't shove it in my face. I won't shove my views in your face. And we, it's so easy. I mean, I, I just don't, I, we made, we've made it so complicated now, but well, we haven't. I think it's been made into this kind of emotional mess pot that they just keep stirring and pouring more drama in and there's a little bit of fear and there's a little bit more propaganda and tiny bit of truth, you know, and, and then they just stir it all up and shake it. And, and we're all, we're suckers to it, man. Suckers to it. Um, so I'll just try and say to people, just be open to, to listening to people. Don't go out and get in fights, you know, don't win stupid prizes in, in that because it's tiring. It's emotionally draining and you could be using that energy in a much more constructive way. Um, to do stuff. So I just try and say, have a bit more empathy with people, try and learn stuff. It Medicine I was already in. So it was easier for me to, to read into the, to how, you know, that side of things, if, but anybody can read a study. Yeah. And, and, you know, don't be scared of reading stuff. And when someone says to you, well, I've got this degree, who cares? All right. You're, you can read. All right. So you can read just as good as they can. So that doesn't mean that you can't learn like they can either. Don't be afraid to learn. Knowledge is power. Really? I agree with you there. I mean, in most of these people that have PhDs, I mean, I know that's a pretty generalized statement to make, but I'm saying it anyway. Most of these people that have PhDs and shit, they don't actually know anything or all of anything anyway. Like they're trying to learn as they go along too. So why not you? Hmm. It's crazy. Like you don't need yeah. a degree. You need to learn how to think in degrees. There's levels and layers to everything. And it's some of us are a little life, bit more, it? yeah, some of us are a little bit more advanced than others when it comes to the research that we've done on things and then others just really don't. Uh, I would suggest people need to work on cultivating discernment, but you can only do that from really listening to yourself though. Like those moments of stillness, you need those. Practice a martial art, do some meditation, go for some walks in nature where there's nothing, nobody else is talking in your head. Because when you aren't familiar with that part of you that's talking all day long, it's trying to give you information that's pulling information from outside, then anybody can come along and talk in your head for you and you just believe it, you know? And then next thing you know, you got like six injections <laughs> and you don't know what to do about it. And then it comes as a tremendous shock to you, you know? Mm. And we're using the injections as an example there, but that can happen with cancer. It can happen with anything else. So yeah. you have to look at what's kind of like positive, bring what, what brings positivity into your life and what doesn't. And I don't work in the NHS anymore. I wanted to say that I left the NHS. I, I now work, <laughs> I've completely changed. I'm an apprentice greenkeeper. So I'm, I work on a golf course, looking after the golf course, an 18 hole golf course, the links one. So completely different career, half the money I was on, never been happier, you know, because I, I'm not going to just forget my medical knowledge. I still got my business. So I still keep my hand in it in that way, but I just couldn't be in it anymore. You know? 
Yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> it's hard because, totally you know, it's hard because I felt like I was leaving the front line, if you will, because I, I can, you know, but I was just getting suspended. I was getting like complaints because I'd go in and speak to patients and say stuff to them and, you know, families wouldn't like it. So, so I would have got binned off anyway, you know, cause I just couldn't keep my mouth shut and I was just like, right, you gotta get out. And I was going home and I was being frustrated and, you know, the wife said to me within, you know, three days of me starting this new job, I was like a completely different person. And I just felt the same. Yeah, I hear you, man. <laughs> so it's weird, isn't it? It's, it's kind of weird how you look at yourself and how others look at you. But it was it was the energy I was putting out completely changed. The whole aura of the house changed. It's mental. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's crazy. So tell us about the uh, NHS 100K podcast again. Yeah, man. So obviously you can search for me on YouTube for now. <laughs> I'm on my second strike, so I'm going to get binned off there soon. But that's I'm not really fussed about that. But if you just search for um, the uh, NHS 100k podcast, it'll bring it up. Same on BitChute, same on Rumble, just uploading stuff to Rumble. But basically I'll just try, at the beginning it was more of an I just having conversations like this, hence why I had you on there as well, just to try and give people, to have conversations with the doctors just about their experiences and how it was for them. Um, I'm trying to think, I've had people have been injured from it. Um few celebrities on there as well, just chatting about their bits and pieces. I just try and get a whole varying type of people because I want people to hear other people's side of the story. And hopefully one day that particular person will resonate with somebody else and spark them to do something. You know, I never thought I'd be doing a podcast like this, you know, ever, (laughs) no way, (laughs) you know, but you know, it's one of those things, but whatever it is you decide to do, just stick to one, try and stick to one thing in it and, 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 you know, focus on that. But yeah, so you can, I'm on, um, Spotify and iTunes as well. And all that kind of, all those platforms, just search for the, the NHS 100 K podcast, uh, same on Twitter and same on Instagram. Um, yeah, that's, that's it really. I think it's, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of newbie to all of this really. So I just kind of do it in my house, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, you just do that. You? you just got this compelling kind of thing where you're like, I just got to tell people some shit, man. Cause when my son gets older and judges me, Cause he's had to have like a barcode injected into his head or something, you know, cause we failed. And he tells me, he goes, what did you do? And I'm like, well, I did some podcasts, mate. And I did some, I tried, you know, instead of just, you know, rolling up and taking it for the team. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it's about. Cause I didn't plan on saying shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't plan on saying, cause I already knew, you know, 10 years in doing this, I already knew mm. how people thought. And I was like, I don't know if it's worth trying to convince anybody of anything. Yeah. And people just kept saying, you know, you're so interesting when you talk, you got to get a podcast. And then I realized that, um, I needed to get out there and start educating people on the things that I talk about every day anyway with my clients, because the average person doesn't know this for some reason. It's like, this is, uh, we are entitled to this information. And I, I'm the kind of person, like I'm very controversial. Like I don't think anybody's entitled to anything, not even your own opinion. I think you're entitled to live and to die. Whatever happens in between there will make it up, <laughs> you know? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where does that sense of entitlement come from? You know I mean? Who decides who's entitled yeah, exactly. or not? You know, it's like, you know. It's, <laughs> mm. Exactly, you know? So it's like, he's the only thing that's real is, is chasing information because you don't know jack shit. Yeah. And that, that, that's yeah. it. That's what I was saying. You know, read what you can, but 
don't believe it, don't disbelieve it, just keep it there. And then as time unfolds, you think, oh, I remember reading that. So maybe that was true. Maybe that source is good. I mean, it's difficult to read everything that's going on at the minute, especially with, you know, all the other, there's been a few things happening over the last couple of days that are just crazy with the whole um, crypto thing and all that, which people won't have any idea what it's about. But when you know about what's going on, you're like, that's a big deal, man. I haven't even bothered to check that out yet because I have no no investments in crypto yet. <laughs> no, I, I don't either. It's more the people that were linked. So basically, you know, I think they based, figured out that it was a money laundering thing. Money was getting sent to Ukraine by, uh, by crypto. And then the Ukraine were then sending it back to Democratic Party's donations or whatever. It was a laundering mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. But, and there was another, there's someone other, some other it, apparently loads of people have been linked to, to, you know, cause obviously it's gone bump now. So the, loads of people have lost money in it, but mm-hmm. uh, Soros funded, you know, bought some of the crypto and the usual suspects basically is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it could be a bit of a black vortex. So anyone who, you know, <laughs> so, which is great, you know, because I think crypto has got a lot of potential, which is why they want to, why they hate it so much. Um, even as just, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know nothing about, about it, but I'm just saying as an alternative currency that it should mm. be just what it's for, which is exchanging currency with one person for another, no interest, nothing. It's just, here's, this yeah. is what you have. It's a good way of doing things. If you know what I mean? This whole money thing is just bollocks. I mean, they used to literally yeah. trade shells. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And this is the thing, isn't it? And, and when the thing gets bad, it's like, it won't matter how many cryptos or how many folded notes you've got. People will want things like soap shampoo, coffee, chocolate, you know, speaking from someone who's in the military, you know, when someone used to bust out a little sticky bar at four o'clock in the morning in the rain, when you're on the third hour of, you know, guard duty, that chocolate was the best piece of chocolate in the whole wide world, you know? So when those sorts of things dry up, you know, food shortages and things like that, it'll just be basic commodities, won't it? Exactly. Man, I don't know. (laughs) All right, man. Well, we'll, we'll call that a wrap. Thanks yes. for being on the Boundless Authenticity podcast. We'll have to have another chat sometime soon about random shit. Yeah, mum. Yeah, yeah, we should. All right, hi next time. <laughs> 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 you can cut that out if you want. <laughs> yeah, maybe I might, maybe not. Yeah. All right, man. Well, that's a wrap. I'll, I'll hit stop now. Okay, dog buddy. Thanks for having me, dude.